right, let me invite you uh, to turn in your worship guide to page three. I'm going to be reading the passage that's printed there. Uh, this is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 28 through verse 44. Would you please listen with open ears as I read these words from the book that we love? And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers they will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two copper, two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Let's take a minute and pray together. Sovereign Lord, we come to you uh, and we sit under these words and we have sat under uh, these songs. We've confessed our sins, we've been called to worship, we've been greeted by others uh, with a sign of the peace of Christ. And I recognize, Lord, that as we come to this time, as we uh, quiet our souls for this moment, uh, as we sit in these chairs that we no doubt come from all kinds of different places, some of us are here uh, and our lives are filled with many good things. Others of us are here and our lives feel uh, completely a wreck at this moment. Others of us are here and we do and have believed in you for very long. 
And yet some of us are here and we're not sure if you're real. We're not sure if these words are true. We're not sure if these events happened. Uh, and if they did, we're not sure what they mean uh, to our lives, what impact they have on the things that keep us awake at night. So Lord, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in today, whether we come here uh, with reason to celebrate or whether we come here uh, consumed by anxiety and worry uh, and exhaustion, whether we come here full of faith or filled with all kinds of doubt, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we all come ultimately the same. We all have an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, and to be changed by you. I pray that you would show us, that you would open our eyes to see how you have and are addressing this need in the person of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome again to Ironworks. My name is Darren, and uh, I'm really excited to be with you this morning. We are in uh, wrapping up our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark uh, that we're calling immediately the urgent mission of Jesus Christ. And we are going to be wrapping up our sermon series. Anyone want to guess? At Easter. Yes. <laughs> we'll be covering uh, Mark's account of the resurrection uh, at Easter, and I very much look forward to that with you. Uh, I appreciate this series. One reason I do is because the series is asking the question of mission. What is it that our Lord Jesus Christ was seeking to accomplish, and how does that inform the mission of our lives, right? And I recognize that as I say that, some of you are here and uh, you identify as a Christian, you believed in Christian faith and teaching for a long time. Others of you are here and, and you don't believe those things or you're not sure what you believe. I want to tell you, uh, for those of you who are here new, I want to tell you about my own personal mission, what I'm trying to accomplish here in pastoring this church. I say this a lot, and I get made fun of by my kids a lot for it, so I'm going to say it a little bit differently. Uh, the first, first way I say it is this, that my mission in life, my mission in my ministry is to see the joy of the people God brings to this church increase, right? That if you're here, my, if, if, if the Lord grants me success, that you will uh, go to your grave with more joy in God than you previously had, right? That's what I, I usually say it. I've been saying it a different way this year in my prayers, a little bit differently. And the way my prayers have been going for you uh, goes a little something like this. Father, I pray, I pray and I'll pray for you, some of you by name, right? I pray that, you, that he would have a genuine encounter with you this year. Right, that I'm praying that you would have a genuine encounter with the living God this year, right? And uh, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I want to tell you that as Christians, we believe that God exists, that he's real, that what we read about in the Bible, we read about his power and creation, we read about him sending his son to live among us, that those things are true, they actually happened. And the Bible goes on to say that we have a barrier between us and God so that it is possible to live our lives on this planet being completely unaware of the presence of God. And some of you feel that. You're here this morning and you're saying, I have not felt God's presence in a long time or perhaps ever at all. And the Bible would say, yeah, that's normal. It's normal for you to live that way. That is the reality of this world. We live often as though God is not real and he does not exist. And my mission the way that I'm praying this year for you 
is that that would change if it never has before. That you, no matter whether you are here having been a Christian for a long time or you're here and you're not a Christian, my prayer for you is that you would have an actual genuine encounter with the living God this year in a repeated fashion. Now, this passage is very helpful to me um, in diagnosing why that may not happen, right? So if you're here and you're like, I don't think that's ever happened in my life. I don't think I've ever had an encounter with God. I don't think that I've ever even, you know, felt his presence or even necessarily been convinced that he's real, right? This passage is extremely instructive in diagnosing why that may have not ever happened and perhaps never will. And I'm excited to look into it with you this morning uh, so that God can set us on a good track. I included the passage that uh, Pastor Sam preached on last week. Wonderful sermon. If you haven't listened to it, it is on our website. I do recommend it. Uh, as he covered this teaching, this encounter that Jesus had with this man who was quizzing him, and Jesus answers saying the most important thing to the most important commandment is to love God with all that you are. And I'm going to be kind of piggybacking off of that, looking at the next couple of encounters that Jesus has with people, because I find that they're deeply connected and then deeply instructive in answering this question that I asked originally. What's interesting about the passage uh, that follows verse 34 is that Jesus begins to do something he's not normally doing. He's often on the receiving side of questions, right? He's often, uh, particularly in Mark's gospel, being asked and quizzed and trying to be pinned into a corner. And in verse 35, he actually changes, turns the tables and begins to put others on notice. Now, these folks, the scribes, right? If you've wondered who are the scribes, right? They were effectively the pastors, right? They were the clergy of Israel. Uh, and Jesus has some very uh, searching words for them. And we're going to come back to this teaching uh, here in verse 35 and 37. But I wanted to point out that he is beginning to set them on notice. You'll see in verse 37 that the way that he asks these questions that are not answered, of course, that it says, and the great throng heard him gladly. What the way that you should read that is that Jesus is in the temple. He's on the turf of these men, the scribes, and he is beginning to win over the crowds so that they are beginning to follow him. And the way to read this is this, right? That these folks are now having more reasons to go after Jesus, which they will do ultimately uh, ending with his execution. In verse 38, this is where I want to focus uh, in particular in our sermon. Jesus will now take this opportunity and he will not simply ask them a question. Well, he will begin to condemn them, to be calling them out by name. And this is what I found to be so instructive to the question I was asking at the beginning of the sermon. Right? He says, beware of the scribes or the pastors of that day, the clergy of that day who like to walk around in long robes and like greeting in the marketplaces, have the best seats, the places of honor, devour widows' houses, and then lastly, make, uh, for a pretense, make long prayer. Pretense, read the word pretend. And friends, this is, I think, uh, as I was contemplating this passage and I was considering this question, this is, I think, perhaps one of the most powerful tools in all 
of reality to keep you from having a genuine encounter with the living God. And you know what it is? Having a fake one. One of the most powerful tools in all reality to keep you from having a genuine encounter with the living God is to have a fake encounter with him. And Jesus is very upset at these men who are living uh, what, what we would call a hypocritical life. Now, uh, this word hypocrites, right, which comes up all, all throughout as Jesus will uh, make reference to them, it's effectively implied here, and this idea of pretense has a similar root meaning there. The idea of a hypocrite is an actor or a pretender, right? Make for a pretense, pretend to pray, basically, right? I'm not actually praying, I'm not actually engaging with God. I'm only doing so so that others watch me and uh, provide honor to me for some way. Now, Jesus uh, condemns these men here because they like honor. And I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, they like honor. You know, I've yet to meet anyone in life ever who likes humiliation. Does anyone like to be humiliated? <laughs> right? You know, and I was thinking that, I mean, this is, this is not an unusual reality. They love honor. Uh, and then my mind was actually drawn to a statistic I read uh, a couple years back of seminary graduates, including the seminary that I graduated from. Uh, and what we found, what that survey found is that a, at that time, approximately 50% of those who are enrolled in seminary will not be actually practicing ministry within a span of five years time, 50%. And I was thinking about that and thinking about this passage and trying to make sense of it. And what we find here is that there is a pull with these men to pretend to have something with God that they don't have, right? They like honor, they like the best seats, they like to be thought well of, and Jesus is condemning them in doing that. And I was thinking about this and thinking about you, and most of you are, here, are sitting here saying, you know, Darren, like, it's a good thing I'm not a pastor, right? And that is a good thing it's hard to be a pastor. I'm happy for you, okay? Enjoy that, right? Um, sorry, Sam, but, <laughs> right? But what about you? How, how might this be a reality in your life, right? How might the, what these scribes are doing, how might this be a reality in your life to the extent that this is hindering you from having a genuine encounter with the living God? Right, and I was thinking about this and thinking about myself and my, my ministry, obviously, and my role and, and where it affects me, but what about you? And here's a question that I have that comes up uh, from this. Do you actually let other people in to see the real parts of your life? Right? In other words, are you, are you getting to know people to the point where they are seeing the real you? They're seeing the real parts of your life. You're letting them in truly to where there's parts that are not honorable. Or are you keeping people at arm's distance in such a way that no matter what, they will always think well of you, right? If so then you are probably in danger 
of experiencing uh, this hindrance from a genuine encounter with God. You see, the devil is very clever. The devil knows that if he can produce a counterfeit, that more often than not, we will often go for the counterfeit instead of for the genuine. And I will tell you this, you know, iPhones are very popular these days. If you want to get a great illustration of this teaching, if you want to get a great illustration of this teaching, when you have a teenager and they ask you for an iPhone, right, they just Google counterfeit iPhone and give it to them and see what happens, right? It's not going to end well for you, <laughs> right? There are counterfeits that you can get at a, at a steep discount, right? Um, and, and in the same way, what's happening is uh, that these folks are having a counterfeit encounter with God. They're pretending to pray, and they're enjoying the honor that results. And in the same way, friends, I just want to share this with you pastorally, right? If you're here, and you're, you, know, you enjoy to come to church, you enjoy singing, you enjoy uh, connecting with folks, but you never go deeper, if you never let another soul in to the parts of your life that are not honorable, right, where, where you are not receiving honor, where you're actually being challenged, where you're being seen and known, if you're not sharing like a prayer request that actually is costly to share, if you're not saying, look, this is who I really am, I have really significant problems in my life that I need prayer for, I need God's intervention on, if you're never getting to that level, then chances are, that that is going to hinder you from having a genuine encounter with God, right? Hypocrisy and pretend, pretense, function here to do that very thing. And Jesus is absolutely furious uh, with, this, with this group of pastors because that is what they're doing. It's interesting, if you read in the prophet Ezekiel, uh, there's actually a, a prophecy about the shepherds of Israel, and it matches parallels with this passage quite a bit. Uh, it's interesting, there's this language in verse 40 that is curious to me. It says that they devour widows' houses. Now, what in the world is that about? Scholars are not quite sure. Probably the explanation that seems to make the most sense is that if you were a widow in Israel, you were in one of the most vulnerable places of all society. Right? You are extremely vulnerable because typically the husband would make the income, and then when you were the surviving spouse, you still could owe all these debts, right? And what the priests would do, what the scribes would do, is they would actually at time confiscate the widow's house for unpaid debts from the husbands, right? And so when it says they were devouring the houses, quite literally, they were using some kind of uh, legislative means to confiscate these houses and to force uh, these women to be homeless. And it is no, in my opinion, it's no coincidence that Jesus is condemning them for this in set right next to verse 41 and following. And I'll tell you, by the way, that when we talk about pretending, right, you know, pretending to pray, not actually paying, but pretending to pray, or pretending to have a life that's all together so that we're thought well of. There's another area of pretending that never lies, by the way, right? There's something in your life that never, ever lies. And you know what that is? It's your money, right? The money is, is a great window into the soul, right? If you ever want to get a window into your own soul, just open your checkbook and say, what do I use my resources on? How do I spend my money? 
And of course, uh, these folks were confiscating houses from the most vulnerable in society and then set in the most profound high definition contrast is this woman who comes and she gives the very last of all that she has, casting every hope that she has upon God herself, himself, excuse me, right? And Jesus honors this person. He honors this widow saying, you know, the scribes are actually not the people you ought to be looking at. They're not the people who ought to be providing you inspiration. Instead, you ought to be inspired by this person over here. He sits back and he watches her cast herself entirely on God, right? And the widow would not be in the position of honor. She would be in a place of dishonor largely. She would be forgotten. She would be cast aside. She would be taken advantage of. And Jesus highlights her as the inspiration for what it means to truly have an encounter with God. And we see that when folks have an encounter with God, that it does translate into these two items, right? When you have a genuine encounter with God, you don't really care. You're, you're far more open with letting people into your life, right? When the grace of God explodes into your reality, you have far less concern to hide and to cover up and to be kind of back in the corner, but instead you are, are welcoming to people. Let, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Um, in the same way, when you have a genuine encounter with God, it explodes in freedom and liberality and generosity. So, for example, there's a man named Zacchaeus uh, in the Gospels who he's, uh, squanders people out of their money. Uh, he amasses an incredible amount of wealth. He has an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he says this. He says, I will pay back four times anything that I took from someone else, and then I will give half of the rest to the poor. And what Jesus says to him, he says, he says, there's no doubt that salvation has come to this house. Translated, there is no doubt that this man has had a genuine encounter with God. Or in the Paul's second letter to the Corinthians chapter eight, this is what he says uh, of a church that largely uh, imitated what this woman was doing. It says this, he says, we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Translated reading, these folks have been encountering God in a powerful way. And this is what it says next. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, and as I can testify, beyond their means, and of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor taking part in the relief of the saints. And that, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And so what this passage is highlighting and what my heart for us this morning is this, right? I want to see us have a genuine encounter with the living God, which results in us loving him with all that we are and with all that we have. And uh, the best, one of the best ways to, to pursue that is to throw aside pretense, to throw aside pretending, to not pretend anymore, right? And, and it shows up in these couple of ways. It shows up in how you deal with honor, right? At what cost are you willing to uh, go in order to be honored, 
versus being truly known. And then secondly, it shows up in the checkbook. To what extent does money have a hold on our lives? And, you know, as Jesus is reflecting on this woman, uh, I couldn't help but actually thinking back to another statement that's made right in this letter of 2 Corinthians. Uh, as he's reflecting, Paul is reflecting on this church of Macedonia, he will then say this that, that mirrors so closely uh, the actions of this woman. He'll say, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. You see, what was going on with this woman that I think drew Jesus' attention so much is that she was actually acting like him. She was telling the gospel as Jesus Christ is in heaven, content, filled with the glories of heaven, and he sets that aside. He, volu he voluntarily takes on poverty in order to come to this world, not to be honored, but to receive all the dishonor that the world has, to be dishonored to the point of taking upon sin and shame into the deepest part of who he is, so that you and I could be exalted to become sons and daughters of the living God. This is the gospel that we proclaim. This is the hope that we have. This is the authentic grace of God, and it is worth more than all counterfeits combined. And so, friends, as we are going through our lives this year, as we are considering um, what kind of life we want to live, I want to plead with you to throw away pretense, to take some risks with one another, to take some risks with your money, and to see the real God engage with you in those times and in those moments. Do not allow fear to hold you back. And as we do that together, may we come face to face with him who was rich, who set it all aside to enter in to your weakness, to your shame, to the parts of your life that are not honorable, and to absorb all that is broken and to bring us to God together. Let me pray for us.